I want to share a little, a little story, a little episode with you. It's kind of humorous. Do you know, or, or I should say, do you think God has a sense of humor? He does. And I believe I, ex- <laughs> I believe I experienced a little bit of His sense of humor yesterday. Day before yesterday, we plowed some fields down at the farm to get ready to plant some corn. So yesterday, the next step, we, we have what you call a collapacker. Uh, it's about a 12-foot wide piece of equipment that you run over the plowed ground, and it knocks the big clumps down and flattens it out a little bit. Praise the Lord that we have tractors, and we don't use oxen and horses. So, but, so I go down about noontime and go to there's three fields I needed to do. I go to the first field. It's sunny. Now, it's windy as I'll get out. But so I commence to color pack in this first field, and I get it done. I go to the second field. It's getting a little cooler. Now, I had just a sweatshirt on, so it got a little bit cooler and a little bit cooler, but I finished the second field. I get to the third field, and I'm starting to go around that thing, and I could see over towards Cumberland. I could see the clouds getting dark, and I even seen some rain coming. Well, the rain then, I'm praying, Lord, Lord, just let me finish this. Lord, please let me finish collar packing. Let me get this done so then we can get corn planted Sunday. And then I, they kind of, I'd seen it go away. Then I seen another area over here. It's getting dark. And I could feel a little bit of showers once in a while, a little bit of rain, and I'm pulling my hat down and trying to keep a little bit dry, but I kept right on going. Again, Lord, just let me finish this. So I get down. I go, I'm on my last pass. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to finish. Thank you. And I pull out of that field. And I get off the tractor to unhook that piece of equipment to leave it. And as soon as I pulled the pin out, it starts raining. I mean, it's raining and the winds are blowing. And I'm going up from the field up to the barn. And I'm like, this is cold. And I'm laughing. I said, Lord, thank you. You let me finish the field. The next time I'm going to pray, Lord, let me get to the tractor to the barn first. <laughs> and I could see the Lord laugh. I could envision the Lord laughing. I gave you what you asked for. Right? He gave me what I asked for. I believe God does have a sense of humor. <laughs> I, and I was laughing with him. I was mighty cold by the time I got up there. <laughs> but I was laughing with him. God does have a sense of humor. and uh, I mean, he created us, right? He created us. You know the songs this morning, and even the Sabbath school, the entire thing, the song, we, keep our, we run the race. Let us not look back. Keep your eye on the prize. I don't think she knew that when she picked out that praise and worship song, I don't think. But keep your eye on the prize. Let me just go ahead and open in prayer, and then we'll get in with the story. Heavenly Father, we do praise You and magnify You. Father, we thank You that You have a sense of humor. We thank You that You are so loving and compassionate. Father, that You care for each and every one of us. Father, we know that You demonstrated Your love towards us, and that you allowed your son, Jesus, to die on that cross. Father, there is no doubt about your love. The question is, Father, do we love you? Father, that's the theme today. Do we love you? Do we have the kind of love towards you that you desire us to have? Father, I just pray that your spirit would be in this place, that you would touch each heart. Father, each heart listening, Father. They may hear it months from now on the internet, Father. Touch each heart listening. Father, that we may search our hearts and ask ourselves a question, do we love you the way that we should? Father, just help us to love you. Help us to be thankful for who you are and what you are and to realize that you are God. And Father, I just pray that you would be glorified through these words spoken today. In Jesus' name, amen.
So I have a little story to share first, then I'll get to the Scripture. Once upon a time, I don't know if this is someone just made this up, but it's really a really unique story. Once upon a time, many years ago, there lived a king who had a beautiful daughter. This princess had many offers of marriage, but she couldn't make up her mind. So being a romantic type, she wanted a man that would love her more than anything else in the world. What kind of woman wouldn't want that, right? You want a man that's going to love you unconditionally. Finally, she devised a way to test the love of her suitors. An announcement was made and sent throughout the kingdom that on a certain day there would be a race, and the winner of that race would marry the princess. The race was open to every man in the kingdom regardless of his position. All that was required was that the man had to love the princess more than he loved anything else. On the chosen day, men, rich and poor, gathered at the starting line. Each man was told that the princess waited at the finish line. Whoever reached her first could take her as his bride. Just before the race was to begin, the king made an announcement. Not wanting any man to run this race in vain, the king had liberally scattered some of his finest treasures along the course. There were gold necklaces, there were pendants and jewels encrusted, jewel-encrusted cups, swords, knives, all sorts of treasures. And each runner was welcome to take as many as he liked. Then the race was begun. One by one, the runners, princes and paupers alike, turned aside to fill their pockets and to carry off whatever treasure they could. Blinded by the immediate promise of wealth, they forgot the princess and all their professions of love. All except one. He pressed on, ignored to him, him, to him what were just trinkets when compared to the incomparable beauty of the princess. Finally crossing the finish line, the winner, only one was victorious, and that was because he kept his eye on the prize. Amen? I mean, this sounds like a parable, doesn't it? It sounds like a parable that Jesus would tell. Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was distracted with very much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. May God add His blessings to the hearing and the reading of His holy word. I'm sure that many have heard or read that scripture before, and are kind of familiar with that scripture. So it's not easy, it's not difficult, I should say, it's not difficult to envision in your mind, Martha, hurrying, scurrying about, making sure everybody had a drink, making sure that they had maybe some snacks, making sure that they were comfortable, maybe she had to get some more chairs, I don't know. And all this while trying to prepare the main meal, 
to feed her guest. She was, you know, a very, very conscientious hostess. Now keep in mind, in those days, you know, these guests come into her home, she couldn't just go pop a pizza in the oven. Preparing a meal back then required a lot of work, a lot of planning, a lot of effort. I was thinking back to the day, the time when we went to uh, Jamaica on a mission trip. We were speaking of mission trips this morning in Sabbath school. And it was a short-term mission trip. It was a week. It wasn't for a lifetime. But there was a large group of us, about 24 or 25 people that went to work at the Caribbean Christian School for the Deaf. Well, there was a woman back at the place where we stayed because we had to travel about a half hour or so to get there. Every day, she prepared the meals. Gloria, I had her name here. Gloria was her name. She would spend all day long preparing the meals for us when we came back. And what a blessing. I mean, she was a fabulous cook. She made the best jerk chicken I think we've ever had. A lot of work, a lot of effort. She was a great hostess. So it took a lot of time. It took a lot of time for Martha because she too wanted to make sure everything was just so. So she's hurrying and scurrying about. And there's Mary just sitting there at Jesus' feet, listening to every word that He's saying. The Message Bible says that she hung on every word that Jesus spoke. She did not want to miss one thing. She gave Him her utmost attention. She was so engulfed in what Jesus was teaching, I don't think she even knew that Mary was, Martha was scurrying around trying to get things ready. Having physical food was the last thing on her mind. She was not concerned about it in the least. But Martha had all she could take. She was overwhelmed. The burden was just too much for her. If you've read the Scriptures, you know that Jesus attracted large crowds. There were probably more than just He and the twelve disciples in that home. Oftentimes, they would gather at the windows and the doors to hear Him teaching inside. They too wanted to hear every word that He had to speak. So there could have been a large crowd there, and Martha interrupts. Imagine that. Jesus is teaching, Lord, Mary's sitting there not helping me at all. Tell her to help me. Interrupts his teaching to ask for help. Martha, Martha. You know, those that are committed homemakers can appreciate Martha's irritation at her sister. You know, if you have a less than motivated spouse or child, you know, you'd like them to be motivated along a little bit, wouldn't you? Yeah. So you can understand why she might have been a little irritated. She surely thought the master would take her side. Wouldn't want her to do all that herself, but he says, Martha, Martha. You know, we was blessed to watch the, the Chosen, the series, the first eight episodes of it, and they did a fabulous job picking the character to play Jesus. And you can just, you know, the, the smile on his face and the, just his attitude, his character is just so wonderful. So we had to picture Jesus. He'd say, Martha, Martha, you are worried, you're upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the better, and it will not be taken from her. Mary had done the one thing, sat at Jesus' feet. But that was enough. 
to draw the praise of Jesus. And I believe that as compassionate as Jesus is, I do not think He was scolding Martha. I believe He probably had a little bit of a smile on His face when He's saying that to her. Martha, Martha, you're worried. You don't need to worry and stress. You know, there are times, friends, I know that we've all been there, where we can become so distracted, so distracted, our minds are going so many different directions, so many things to think about. Sometimes we're traveling down the road and we miss our turn, right? It happened to me just last week. I had a doctor's appointment to go up for a scan. And I'm going up Interstate 68. And you need to get off on Seton Drive. My mind was thinking of something, and shoo, I went right by Seton Drive. I had to go all the way to the Vale, go up Braddock to go to Seton Drive. I was like, it happens to me all the time. Your mind's thinking about things. Distracted. So many distractions. My friend, Satan is not only the great deceiver, but he likes to distract us. Anything that he can do to get us to turn from the Lord, to distract us from Him, like all those trinkets along the way, right? A pastor named John Gable told this story about a couple in his congregation, Al and Betty Johnson. They lived on a farm about 200 miles northeast of Rapid City, South Dakota. Not many folks lived in Rapid City. They say it isn't the end of the earth, but you can see it from there. Needless to say, there's not a Walmart or a grocery store very near. So they made a running list so that when they went to town, they made sure they got everything that they needed. Make the trip count. That's what they told them. Well, it would happen that Betty's mom was flying in for a visit. So Al made a list of all the things he needed to do on his way to the airport that day to pick up his mother-in-law. When he finally got home late that evening, he was so pleased to tell Betty about all that he accomplished. He got new tires put on the truck. He went to the store and got everything that she had on the list. As a matter of fact, he was such a kind gentleman that he even bought his wife a new dress that she didn't even ask for. Finally, she interrupted, Al, where's mom? <laughs> Poor Al. His face turned ashen and then red. It seems in his determination to complete his list, he forgot the real purpose for what he went for. Poor old mother-in-law was still at the airport. Probably intentional, right guys? It was the mother-in-law. <laughs> Martha, hurrying about, doing those little things that are so important to someone that has guests in their homes. We know that Jesus would appreciate her efforts. Mary and Martha became two of Jesus' closest friends. But only one thing is needed. And that is what Jesus said to Martha. Only one thing. We know how great the Father's love is towards us. But how is our love towards Him? Christ is the one thing that is needed. Mary understood that in the depths of her heart. My friends, Christianity is not about our doing good. It's not by works, right? But doing good is a major witness of our faith. If we love Him, we will do good, right? Christianity is not about keeping the commandments. But He says, if you love Me, you will keep My commandments. 
And especially the one about love your neighbor. Christianity, Christianity at its heart is a recognition that Jesus Christ is the Lord of life. He is our Master. He is our Savior. So what do we need to do to be saved? Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I do believe that, gen, that Jesus' gentle rebuke of Martha had an impact on her attitude. She was still Martha. She was. She was still Martha. But I do not believe that she was so concerned about what others did or did not do. In John chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who was, who had, or rather, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha, what'd she do? Served. served. Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance oil. So there's Mary still at the feet of Jesus. There's Martha, still serving, right? But what do we not see? We do not see that jealousy in Martha, concern about what others are doing or not doing. She's not insistent that her sister get up and help. She still cares and serves. That's her heart. That is her heart, friends. That is her love language, if you will, right? I mean, sometimes the wives would like if our love language was that we would do the dishes. Sometimes the, our love language should be put our clothes away. Don't leave things that's a mess, right? That's Martha's love language, is to serve. God needs administrators. He needs preachers. He needs teachers. He needs, you know, we all have our own gifts. Be faithful. Show your love and your service. But don't judge others because they're not getting up helping you serve. Amen? I believe the change in Martha came from that gentle and loving discipline of the Lord. What parent, if they love their children, do not discipline them? Amen? If you don't discipline them, I question your love. They may not like the correction, but we know it's can be the best thing for them. 2 Corinthians 7, 8-10 through 10 says, For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I perceived that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. We must keep our eyes on the prize. And our prize is Jesus Christ. He is the very source of our lives. He is the promise of new life in the Spirit. Someone has described Jesus like this. To artists, He is the one altogether lovely. To the architect, he is the chief cornerstone. 
To the doctor, he is the great physician. To the preacher, he is the word of God. To the philosopher, he is the wisdom of God. To the dying, he is the resurrection and the life. To the geologist, he is the rock of ages. To the farmer, he is the Lord of the harvest. To the professor, he is the master teacher. To the prodigal, he is the forgiving parent. I love that one. To the prodigal, he's the one with the wide open arms watching and waiting for you to return so he can wrap those arms around you. That's who our God is. To the lost sheep, he is the good shepherd who will leave the ninety and nine to go and look for that one. To the thirsty soul, he is the water of life. As he told the woman at the well, who drinks of the water I give shall never thirst again. To the hungry, he is the bread of life. To the philanthropist, he is God's unshakable gift. You know the parable of the sower, we even spoke of that in Sabbath school, gives us an example that of not allowing the things of the world to cause us to take our eyes off of the prize. You won't have this one on the screen. In Mark 4, chapter, chapter 4, verses 13 through 20. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the seed, sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, so they endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. These are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it, and it bear fruit, sometimes thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. My friends, cares, as it's used here, means to be drawn in a different direction. That's what the cares of the world are. Drawn in a different direction. To be distracted. To be distracted. Luke 9, 62 says, But Jesus said to them, No one, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Don't look back. In 1 John 2, 15-17 Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Hallelujah. We are not to be like the men in the race for the princess. We are not to be like them. We are not to weigh ourselves down with the things of the world, the trinkets of the world, if you will. 
they were promised at the end of this race, if you're the first one, you get the hand of the princess. You see the similarity there? We're in this race of life. Christ is our prize at the end. But we get distracted. We go after these gold trinkets over here and this or that over there. We take our eyes off of Jesus Christ. My friends, just like the guys in the race for the, for the princess, those that went off to get the trinkets weren't thinking that if they get the hand of the princess, they had the wealth of the kingdom. Amen? The same king that put all these prizes there, he's going to live under the same roof. Do you get that with, with the spiritual kingdom? We keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, we get to live with Him, His kingdom. Why would we be distracted and go after this gold over here when up there they make the streets of gold? Keep our eyes on the prize, which is Jesus Christ. Do not be distracted by the things of this world because they're passing away. They're passing away right before us. Let them not distract us. But keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. When you put your hand to the plow, don't look back. But always look attentively to Him. Look to Him. The One who died on that cross that we can have life. That's the most important thing. I know Pastor Gary, one message he preached that the main thing, the main thing, let's keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus Christ. Keeping our focus on Him. Amen?